Hello everyone and welcome to the She-Wolf podcast. This is the fifth and final episode of this series where we have been tackling the nuanced and complex subject of the confluence between chronic illness, ableism, and new age spirituality. And if you've been following along this entire time, then you understand that we've reached a point in this series where it is very important for other chronically ill voices to be heard. And since our voices as chronically ill people are so often silenced and shushed, I'm going to be a loudspeaker in this episode. I asked you over Instagram to tell me what you wanted people to know, what you want people en masse to hear. And I've compiled it all together as well as some of my own notes in response to what you said, just to flesh it out. And I want to thank you again for participating and helping to illuminate what ableism seeks to keep in the dark. So without further ado, let's dive in. Uh, Number one, someone said, My pain is invisible. It's there. You just can't see it. Yes, some disabilities are visible and some aren't. The invisible ones are the most likely to be dismissed, gaslit, and bypassed. Many of us seem like we have able bodies, but things like pain, fatigue, brain fog, neuropathy, other nervous system symptoms, poor digestion, you can't see these things. They're only visible when we speak about them or if we're in a flare bad enough that we cannot function. And I personally want to add to this that, generally speaking, most of the time, we aren't talking about our symptoms nearly as much as we have them. Most of us are trying to spare you the burden of hearing about our pain and other symptoms as often as we can manage, because we know able-bodied people don't want to hear about this very often. We know that you may care But if we talked about how bad we felt as often as would actually be warranted for our situation, we'd be talking endlessly, which leads me into something that someone else said. Then they said, resilience makes others comfortable as they don't have to witness our struggles. We as disabled, chronically ill people have to be strong. What other choice do we have? I mean, we could give up. And we certainly think about it, trust me, we think about it. And the deep tragedy is that some of us do give up because we've pushed far beyond our limits for too long. But many of us have, through this rocky road that feels immensely out of control, with typically no idea where this road is going to land us. A lot of us have figured out some way to live with our condition, because we want to live, even like this. And so strength, resilience, these things become par for the course of our chronic illness experience. And in navigating an ableist world that doesn't generally want to hear about it, we figure out ways to mask or camouflage our struggles so that healthy folk don't have to witness it. And I will add here, sometimes this exoskeleton, if you will, of resilience has to do with us not wanting to deal with people's reactions to us as well. Questions, suggestions, toxic positivity, bypassing, etc. Because trust me, we've seen a lot of this in our time. 
Often able-bodied people do not know how to react or what to say to us. They think that they are being helpful by trying to draw down some cosmic meaning from the heavens or say, oh, my friend had something similar and she went down to Costa Rica and did ayahuasca a few times and she's totally cured. Do you want their contact? And over time, you learn to gauge who you want to speak with about your illness and who you don't. And this leads perfectly to the next contribution someone made, which was, we've probably tried all of the things that you think we need to start doing. Yes, (laughs) we generally have. This is why, as I mentioned in episode four, that when that naturopath suggested that maybe I just don't quote-unquote breathe correctly after not having even met me once in person, and that was supposedly some serious consideration that I should have that could cure my entire constellation of symptoms. This poignantly dismissive and reductionist bullshit led me to flip my dining room table in pure, unadulterated rage. Again, some people, not that naturopath, are genuinely trying to be helpful. They genuinely have good intentions when they hear about your struggles. And as a rule, we seek to fix in our society. And often the first instinct, instead of just listening, is a rush to suggest some healing modality that perhaps we haven't heard of or tried. But the commenter here, and I will back this up, is saying, we've probably tried that or maybe we've considered it and felt that it wasn't right for us. And it's also very possible that in many cases, our doctor has themselves barred the way to getting certain tests or treatment, which leads me to the next contribution. This person said, doctors and healthcare systems gaslight us. They sure do. And of course, we covered this in the last episode, but in the spirit of what we'd all like you to know is that Our illnesses, especially if we are women, and on top of that, a member of any minority group, we have likely been gaslit and dismissed for years, and we are sicker than we would otherwise be if they actually fucking listened to us. This is the saddest shit, isn't it? It's probably the saddest and most profoundly upsetting thing that I've said all throughout this series. It hurts me to say it, and it has really hurt me to experience. It's traumatic as fuck. From what I've witnessed in the health-related online groups for various illnesses is the same thing over and over again. People, but primarily women, because remember the 80-20 ratio from the first episode, basically crying out in the dark for help because their doctors gaslit them over and over and their symptoms are just getting worse. Women who have just returned from doctor's appointments venting because they were denied testing and treatment, feeling hopeless, exhausted by having to be their own advocate time and again. And yeah, certainly we do get sicker in the meantime, The stress that mounts up during this ride of careless medical abuse is not nothing. But even without that additional medical stress, we'd probably still get sicker because of the bare fact that time passing without treatment means that whatever we have going on doesn't have its best chance to heal. It is abusive. It is neglect. And depending on which country we live in and what our financial status is, 
we may not even be able to afford care at all. And here's the rub offered by another commenter. She said, the more money I have, the better care I receive. But the more I work, the sicker I feel. Big time cycle. Yes, it is. Um, but unfortunately, money doesn't always equal better care either. In some cases, however, you can pay to find a specialist that comes highly recommended. But where does that money come from? Unless you have someone supporting you, you need to afford that care on your own, which means you need to work. And not everyone has the ability to make their own schedule or rest when necessary. And many jobs and careers are soul-sucking, physically demanding, and mentally strenuous. So definitely it can place you in that cycle. One where you're simply trying to do your best with an ailing body to make ends meet and heal yourself. Someone else said, If I was sick Monday, I'm not all better on Tuesday. I can't just afford to miss more work. And that's for sure another aspect of this chronic illness landscape that we live in that ties back into the first point about invisible illness. Sickness doesn't just take hold acutely and go away, like the common cold or flu. We're not magically better just because we are showing up for work or that social engagement. Yet because ableism is so built into every part of society, we can't take the leave we actually need to in order to give our bodies recovery time. And this leads me into what somebody else said, which was, I don't cancel plans last minute for fun. Is because I'm in pain and I can't leave the house. Yes, and I feel like this can go for taking days off work too. Our reasons are not flippant. We are not flakes. We are not just lazy, uncaring, selfish lumps. For the most part, we are people who hold ourselves to very high standards and simply cannot meet them sometimes because our bodies do not allow it. It's not that we don't care or that we think it's funny or something to cancel plans last minute. Instead, we have absolutely no idea what our bodies are going to be up for on any given day. It is so hard to plan, often up to the very hour. And while yes, that may be frustrating for you, trust us, it's far more frustrating for us. And this leads me into the final contribution I'd like to share, which is this. We are always doing our best. It might not look like much to others. Something that I have to remind myself, and sometimes I have to remind those I love, often. Our best is always going to look and feel different. Because of capitalism, ableism, this different means quote-unquote less. The status quo is at such a level that chronically ill people cannot manage but that doesn't mean we're not giving our all to what we can and do accomplish in a day. Part of healing from the brainwashing, from colonialist capitalist concepts like ableism and new age spirituality, is understanding that difference isn't less. In the classic story of the rabbit and the turtle, we find that slow and steady wins the race. Pacing and mindfulness are crucial aspects of a healthy life. Rushed, frenetic, super productivity isn't something to be proud of. Thankfully, more and more people are waking up to this through their own burnouts and becoming fed up with the productivity hamster wheel, finally having that 
existential crisis that many of us chronically ill, disabled, and or neurodivergent folks had a long time ago. And it is the crisis of, what the fuck am I doing? What am I here to do? Am I here to produce or am I here to experience and enjoy? Can I do both in healthy measure? Novel concept, right? And if so, how does that look different from how I've been approaching it thus far and how I've been told that I must do it up until now? Burnouts and chronic illness are a rude awakening, but they are actually an awakening, just not in the bypassing way that new age spirituality would have you magically think. And we touched on the potential positives of being sick that we could integrate into our overall experience in the first episode, but I want to end this series with the explanation of what I meant by all of that. Chronic illness is an overhaul of your entire life. Your goals, your value systems, your potential, your path, your relationships with others, and most importantly, your relationship with yourself. There's nothing purely pretty or pleasant about any of it. It's so hard in every way imaginable. We've been given bodies that we must utilize in order to live life. And these bodies hurt. They don't function properly and they cause us to suffer. So for many of us, this illness and this body saying no, as Gabrabate says, comes at a juncture where we need to stop, slow down and say no. We need to recapitulate. And as we've outlined, there are many factors, many ingredients, if you will, that go into becoming sick. There is no one-size-fits-all explanation. There probably are or were many factors that fit together to usher in this scenario. And it interests me, as both an experiencer of chronic illness and a student of it, that what we are being ushered to do is rest, slow down, and sometimes even see certain things, stressful jobs, abusive relationships, etc. We are being told to do the very thing that nature itself does, which is to seek balance, homeostasis, regulation. Nature does this with such wisdom in so many dynamic ways. Nature also does not rush. Nature takes its time to heal if indeed it can. It does not compare itself to other facets of itself. So our own spiritual awakening inside of our chronic illness may very well take this form. We may actually be newly akin to a life that prioritizes balance, rest, boundaries, and overall health like never before. But it is messy. It is shadowy. It is grueling. It is rife with anger and grief much of the time. And this is all part of it, all very important parts, parts that have come together and blow apart, come together and blow apart for the process to be whole. Bypassing any of this would be a mistake. Fearing it so much that you bury it would be a mistake. Continuing to internalize ableism so that you can maintain the illusion of sameness would be a mistake. And assuming you thought your way into this so you can think yourself out would be a mistake. Embrace the complexity of your process. It's all real. It's all valid. You only have one chance to be present in this life, and you've been dealt a difficult card. But even if it feels like you are, you are not alone. 
not even a little bit. So this concludes the series on chronic illness, ableism, and new age spirituality. If you've enjoyed it, please give me a rating and a comment if the platform allows. It will help with visibility. I really appreciate having the opportunity and privilege to do this. Thank you again for your contributions. Until next time, be well, be real. Love and wolves.